Welcome to episode number seven of the Crazy Money Podcast. My guest today is Keith Michael Carano, who is a 52-year-old photographer, filmmaker, and podcaster. Mike has worked in the comedy business for 30 years and knows everyone in the business. He's also dead broke, and we're going to talk about this. Yes, even though he's had good jobs for a long time, he is living month to month thanks to years of compulsive spending, IRS debt, and a whole lot of underlying issues, including depression and anxiety, that are not conducive to establishing a really solid financial base. We're going to get real honest. We're going to talk very frankly about it. Mike is just a great, hilarious, honest human being. He's trying to get his financial act together, and he's working on a documentary about death and money, which I happen to be executive producing, full disclosure. Mike is my friend, and he is the producer-editor of this podcast, he has his own podcast called Miscellaneous Adventures from the World of Mike Carano. It's hilarious. You should check it out after you listen to this one. I turned 50 years old this week, and a lot of people have asked me, how do I feel about it? Well, I feel good about it. I feel, I feel like I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing with my life. Maybe not exactly at the level I'd like to be doing it, but I'm functionally doing what I want to do. I feel good. I'm, I feel healthy. I feel strong. My hair is not in a great place, but my body is in a good place. My mind is in a good place. I have a wonderful family. Life's good. I'm doing doing interesting work. And if you want to get me a present for my birthday, because really, I mean, who needs a present more than I do? You can do a few different things. You could make a donation to charity on my behalf, which would be swell. You could send me a box full of unmarked U.S. currency. Or what I'd really love is if you just subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you listen to it. Also, leave me a review and a rating. Give me give me a lot of stars if you would. Write something about this podcast that reflects what it means to you. Yeah, just do that. Write something thoughtful on iTunes. That's my birthday present. That's all I want from you. Share it with a friend. That'd be great. All right. Hey, happy birthday to me. Thanks for being a part of this whole thing. Here's my Corona. Start this, baby. Let's do this. I am a, a sucker when it comes to being a consumer. I see something and I think that's going to bring me some sort of joy or some peace or it's going to occupy my mind and take it off other things that are bothering me. And it does for a few minutes. You just said, what can I do to get rid of this money? Yes. Yeah. I've always felt that way. Always. That, you, that you're trying to actively push money away from Absol- you. It is nothing short of what I said. It is exactly that. Every time I get a check, the first thing is, how can I get rid of this? And when I talk to people, they're like, why don't you just um, save it? Like, it has to go. It has to be out. My name is Paul Ollinger. I'm a stand-up comedian with a background in the corporate world. I hit the lottery when I worked at a small company called Facebook. I'm fascinated with money, why we're so obsessed with it, and how it makes us happy or not. This is not a podcast about how to make a million bucks, how to beat the stock market, or how to save money by switching cable providers. It's about how we think about and live with money as a society and as individuals. It's about the choices we make that lead us toward or away from happiness. Welcome to Crazy Money. You tell me when you became aware of the fact that you didn't have a purposeful relationship with money. I've always had an idea that I had a bad relationship with money, but I never wanted to face it. I never wanted to actually look at it. I just always assumed someday I'm going to do something where I make enough money and I won't have to look at my bank account, which I've never actually done until it gets really down to nothing. 
I've never balanced a checkbook. I've never done any of those things. You've never balanced never a checkbook. Never in my life have I balanced a so checkbook. How do you know how much money you have in your checking account at any one I, time? I try to remember, mm-hmm. and the only times I look at it are when it gets down to very, very low, where I'm like, is my rent check going to clear? Is this going to clear? But other than that, I, I just keep putting all the money I make in the bank and then just writing checks out of the bank. And every year, as you know, or as you became aware of in April, I have a problem with the IRS because I haven't paid my taxes. And every year, it's this incredible stomach ache, stressed out weight on my shoulders that's just stops me from doing anything because it's all I can think about. And it's completely consuming for weeks on end until I finally call the IRS and get a, a plan set up. And then people will point out to me, you can't just keep making payments on your taxes for your entire life. And I just, I just disregard that. And I, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And thinking, it's the same way I thought when I was a kid and I got my first credit card. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this off, but something will happen and I'll pay it off. Woo-hoo. And guess what? It didn't happen. We're going to the mall, y'all. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Would you, what, when you first got your credit card, what did you buy? Here's me. What, well, first of all, was, how old are you and what year was this? When I you was probably 18 or 19 years old. My friend goes, you have to come over to Bank of America right now because they will just give you $300. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I went to Bank of America. I went to Bank of America and I said, I was told to come and ask you about the Alpha account. And the guy goes, well, it's for young people that want to establish credit. Come on in, fill this paperwork out, and you have $300 credit. And I went, what does that mean? He goes, you have a $300 like pad on your bank account and you can write checks for after... For more than you have in the bank, up to $300. I'm not joking one bit. I was so excited. We went out and celebrated that night. Probably put 200 bucks on my Alpha account uh-huh. first night. Right. They raised it to 1200 Oh, they're so nice. I maxed How it generous. immediately and just had that balance sitting there for at least a year, two so years. So you, you just went out and partied on that money. Yeah. And then I got a credit card. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad. And this is the honest to God truth. My dad said, do not use this credit card. You're going to get into trouble. And I went, I'm not going to use it. It's for emergencies only. And he went, I'm telling you, don't use that credit card. Emergencies, like happy hour. I'm not going to use it. I walked directly across the street from my dad's pawn shop in San Diego on Cass Street in Pacific Beach to the bike store across the street and bought a very expensive English touring bike. (laughs) an aluminum Raleigh, which this is like 1981. Mm -hmm. Granted, it's not that expensive in today's money, but it was five or six hundred dollars, which was probably two or three thousand bucks now. And just put that bike on my credit card and then went out and celebrated with my friend Dave and put another 80 or hundred bucks in drinks on it. Mm -hmm. Day one. Right. Yeah. Your dad ran a pawn shop. Yes, he did. So still does. Still does. So that's a cash business. What financial lessons did your dad teach you? Almost none, but I did learn that when people are paying interest, it adds up, Mm -hmm. which it didn't seem like anything to me. It seemed like a colossal waste of time. If you loan somebody $50, they only have to pay you $57 back. It didn't occur to me that at one point he might literally have $600,000 loaned out. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, and, and that's a weekly vig, by the way. That's not a. It's not no, but he, annual. but he. There were times where he had a million dollars loaned out, but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a million dollars that he had that he just loaned to somebody. It was forty dollars here, a hundred here, two hundred here, five hundred here. Right. And then over the course of time, there's a million dollars out that needs to come back with interest. And, sure. And it does come back with interest because most people pick up their stuff and pay the interest. 
And you certainly didn't put that knowledge to work, though. No, you got of course your not. First no, I, got, I you can. I, I could sit in a fucking college class for eight <laughs> years and still not even have an idea what it was about. So what do you? Think? How was that physics? Okay, class? so physics. I thought that was about geography. Okay. Jesus Christ. Okay, so the so what the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, right? Something like that. That's what people say. That's what I've heard. So you first learned your lesson with credit cards. When you were 18 or 19. Sorry, you didn't learn your lesson. I didn't learn a lesson. You had your first experience of getting yeah. hit over the nose with, with, uh, with, with credit card debt. But it appears to continue to go on. It does appear to. It, 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 it is continuing to go on. Okay, and how old are you now? Uh, I'm 40 in April. That explains all the. the I, I don't know. I hit my head in the shower, and I don't remember how old I am. <laughs> and I, I'm 52. On your I am 52 years old, <laughs> but I'm a mature, maturity level 24. How? Tell me. How? How have you made your living in the intervening years between um, your alpha account and today? Mostly as, by the good graces of my friends, hiring me. No, I, okay. Yeah, I have a uh, long-time employee of the Improv Comedy Club chain in several different positions. Oh, I've heard Starting about. with a doorman, mm-hmm. became an assistant manager, became a general manager, became a booker, and then kind of created a job for myself making graphics and taking photos mm-hmm. when I was desperate and had no work and I was... Uh, Really had nothing, and that you know, 2000. I just walked into the club and started talking to the owner, and kind of made a made up a job for myself. Recommended poster cabinets and stuff, and said I can print them, and got a printer and sort of learned how to print posters right. and stuff. Right. Did you not like running the clubs? Definitely did not like running the clubs. What was it that you didn't like about that? I hated everything about it except for hanging out with comedians. <laughs> everything else. I hated the price of prime rib. I couldn't right. have given a shit about the liquor costs. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to hire anybody. I don't want to fire anybody. So how I don't like you, any of that. How long did you do it? I was a GM for between two and three years. I was a doorman for about a year or two, and then I was an assistant manager for a year. I was probably a general manager for three years, three mm-hmm. and a half years maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's also, you know, it's a big part of, of what I'm trying to change in my life is having some guts, man, to move on and having some guts to seek out things that you want to do and not just going with the flow. And the improv job for me was a security blanket, and I could not leave that. So no tell, chance. And so, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way about their jobs. So, so tell me about your your recent journey leaving a job you were in for a long time. It was absolutely not what I expected. I really expected the way the first three days were were just joy. <laughs> no, honestly, it was just pure bliss. I'm like, finally, I'm getting a chance to do something that I truly want to do. This is not some kind of a Sort of, maybe I want to do this. I'm right. like, this is something I want to do. I had no idea what was to follow. Was a severe, severe depression that I left my complete and total identity behind. Right. All of my social life behind. And all of a sudden, I'm standing. It felt like I'm standing alone, and I don't have this security that I had, which, which is sort of true. You know, you gave me a life preserver, Mm-hmm. But it, but I was, it was like now start swimming, and and it was just dead in the water for a while, and it was unexpected that I I didn't really did not see that coming, that I was just going to be just frozen with the, you know it, it, this whole journey since I've quit 
has been a lot of roadblocks and a lot of being frozen in my tracks. One with not expecting the improv to be such a difficult place to be away from. Mm-hmm. It was like a, it was like a divorce, and I still loved my ex-wife, even though we hadn't gotten along for a long time. Right. And it was like now I'm never going to find another ex-wife like that. <laughs> Where can I get another? ex-wife? People are like, I totally cannot relate to that statement <laughs> at all. But thanks. And then and then it was this other project, which is a movie about death centered around the death of my sister. That was another one I didn't expect, which was I was not prepared to actually look at that honestly. Right. And the money thing is goes along with it. I remember when you were out here to talk to me about the film, which you're financing, by the way. Yes. In case people don't know that. Disclose that. Paul gave me $550,000 to make a documentary. I blew through all the money. And now I'm selling everything I owe on eBay out of desperation to barely cling to protein bars from Costco. They're good, them Costco. They're so good. And they're they're inexpensive and they have a low fat and sugar content. Mm. They are Mm. the best protein bars Mm -hmm. for the money by far. Nice. I don't feel any energy when I eat them. It might be a scam. Might be a big fraud they're pulling on me. I think this energy's all sugar. <laughs> there's no. Sh- there's two grams of sugar in oh, those okay. things. Okay, they're okay. great. Right. Uh, and I don't want to badmouth the other bar, but the Cliff Bar has like 20 grams of sugar. Fuck that bar. Fucking Cliff, sugar addict. <laughs> Cliff's an asshole. So, so here's the, what you. Do. I can't say at this moment you taught me this. You told me this. I absorbed it. It changed a lot, and it brought me a level of concern and depression that to you might be unfathomable but to me it was like oh no what am i doing i'm in a, a i'm in a tornado of so, something i'm not familiar with how to get out of so here's what I, how i remember i walked into your apartment we were mm-hmm. going to watch some some clips of the interviews you'd shot and your apartment is a two bedroom walk up in studio city california and i walked up and came in and it's it was a very cluttered environment yeah tell me about that I have a propensity to try to, it is a nonstop quest for a distraction from real life. This is, I'm what getting is? this from my therapy, my spending problem. Your spending problem is Yeah, I, I will buy anything that I think will distract me, will occupy my brain, will keep, keep me busy with something that, that's not necessarily productive. You had some pretty interesting things in there. What kind of things did you have there? I, at one point, when you were there, I probably had hundreds of toys in boxes. Mm-hmm. Some collectibles, some just because I thought they were hilarious. It was I like Steve Carell's, like Steve Carell's apartment. Yeah, I have the, the entire bridge version. of the Enterprise from Star Trek in there. <laughs> of course, what fifty life fifty two year what fifty yeah, two year old man not does a toy it. a life size like my living room is the Enterprise bridge. Yeah, I have cap- two captains' chairs. Right. Three, actually. One's in San Diego. I've got a couple of swords, a couple of lightsabers. I've got a collection of skateboards, eight or ten expensive guitars, about 30 cameras. What does your wife think about all this stuff? You know what? She's fine with it. <laughs> She's fine with it. She says as long as I keep up the, my male responsibilities in bed, as long as I satisfy her. Spoiler. That she's cool with all this. Spoiler alert. I, I think it's this funny that you said that because this is, this is shock I'm, cli- I'm not like a womanizer kind of guy and I'm, I'm just a dork. But in my life, I've had more than a few women come over and they're like, how do you get girls over here? And I'm like, you're here. <laughs> it's happened at least six times in the last 15 or 20 years where somebody will come over and they're like, I don't know how you ever get women. 
I'm like, you're here right now. <laughs> like, how do you not know how I do it? I don't even know how I do it. It's that it sounds a little creepy. It's, it's, it's little, totally creepy. You, it's totally how do you creepy. Lure women, but it's well, even creepier is how many women have gone have asked me flat out how many times have you had sex on the captain's chair, and I never have. You and wouldn't besmirch Spock. It's the first thing they throne. think about. <laughs> exactly. It's not Spock's throne, by the way. It's oh, Kirk's, Spock. Damn it's Kirk's it. chair. Sorry, but I just outed myself as a <laughs> <laughs> interviews I over. Just, we just lost all kinds you and of your listeners. space pen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've got this 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 incredibly cluttered apartment with all this shit in it that represents years and years of collecting would be a kind word it's 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 trying to recapture some sort of happy childhood memory or something that i wanted it to be it's really a distraction it's a colossal distraction from real life so I you don't... just bought stuff over the years and stuck it in your apartment okay paul i'm 52 yes. years old right yes. up until about five or six months ago right every time i earned a, a paycheck mm-hmm. no matter what it was if it was extra money from a photography job that overpaid me if it was my regular improv money that was probably overpaying me if right. it's no matter what it was the first thing i thought of was what can i buy and get rid of this money it wasn't there is was no to joy in my heart from say by saving money it was what can i buy and that's why i have you hundreds wanna- of things that i don't need want do I need five GoPros? No, I have five GoPros. But the, no, keep in mind, they're years apart. It's not like I just bought five of the same model, but there's a lot of stuff like that. Like I am I am a, a sucker when it comes to being a consumer. I see something and I think that's going to bring me some sort of joy or some peace or it's going to occupy my mind and take it off other things that are bothering me. And it does for a few minutes. You just said, what can I do to get rid of this money? Yes. Yeah, I've always felt that way. Always. That, you, that you're trying to actively push money away from Absolutely. you. It is nothing short of what I said. It is exactly that. Every time I get a check, the first thing is, how can I get rid of this? And when I talk to people, they're like, why don't you just um, save it? Like, it has to go. It has to be out. Why? I don't know. I don't know what that is. My dad does the same thing. How does, that, how does your dad get rid of money? I don't feel comfortable talking about that right now, mm-hmm. like with mm-hmm. the latest circumstance. But okay, if he gets some money, well, there's there have been times where he bought penny stocks. I'm sure there have been a lot of times where he lost his ass on penny stocks. But he'll randomly be watching something on television, and he'll go and he'll drop a couple thousand bucks on on literal penny stocks that are some company you never heard of, and something happens. And he makes twenty thousand dollars. Now I'm sure he's losing ten to twenty times out of to one compared to that happens. But there's been times where he had an extra twenty thousand dollars and he couldn't get rid of it fast enough. He'll make it up on all those Franklin Mint plates that he's bought. That's funny you would say that because I have a shitload of Franklin Mint plates that I got from my dad. I have all of them. I have all the Star Trek plates. I have all the I have all the Casablanca plates. All the Elvis plates. <laughs> Let's go. I want to. We'll we'll talk about what you did with all your stuff in a minute but you said i want to get rid of money yeah do you feel like you don't deserve money it sounds like i'm being feeling sorry for myself when i say that but i absolutely do not think i deserve money i absolutely do not feel that anything i've ever done has been worth the money someone paid me for yet there's also a flip side of it where i'm resentful that people don't want to pay for things so on the one hand and i know this because i've observed you and because we've even I've you've done so much stuff for me for free as a bro, and then I try, offer to pay you for it, and you're like, no, I can't take your money. I can't take your money. It's it's as if money has some toxic element 
to you? At what point are you sort of conflating your own value and the value of, of what somebody's going to pay you? I don't, I don't know, and I really don't know right now where that came from. I'm sure it's childhood shit, you know, like self-esteem problems, like, but I, there is just something specifically about money that bothers me. And, and I still have that thought. You know what? I'm trying. I, since we had that discussion on April 12th, I, I've been April trying. April 12th, wow. Yeah, I didn't well, know. I, that's the day we did that show also. Okay. Oh, right, right. Yeah. But I, um, I have changed dramatically, and I've, I've taken two steps forward, one step back over and over and over, and it, but it's been, it's been a pretty positive. But I will say there's times where I've sold a bunch of stuff. I've probably gotten rid of 60% of the stuff that was in that apartment. It still looks like there's a lot of shit in there, but most right. of the back room is gone. Right. Most of the high-end things are gone with a few cameras I'm holding out to get rid of before I uh, slide into homelessness. But I, I still have these these moments. It's not cured. It's not fixed. All you know, 50-something years of being like this is not fixed by this six-month period since we had that meeting. But there are a couple of times where when I'm really doing well on the getting rid of stuff and it feels good and I'm, the clutter's leaving and I have money in the bank and then I go, in my head I go, I can hardly wait till I get my financial shit together so that I can start buying shit again. Mm. I mean, that really is in the back of my head. When can I start buying stuff again and what's the theme I'm going to go with this time? Right. What's a Franklin Mint Star Trek plate go nothing, for? Nothing. Nothing. That's why I still have them. They're, they're not worth selling. They're not even worth shipping. Right. They're like eight bucks. Hmm. What a shock that they don't hold their value. <laughs> the guy told me it was an investment. Are they dishwasher hey, safe? <laughs> They're definitely not dishwasher safe, but if you want them. I've got some Elvis ones. Uh, oh, those are sweet. Yeah. Nice. nice. I have Jailhouse Rock, and I have one where he's standing in front of a pink Cadillac. <laughs> Classic Presley poses, for sure. That's for sure. So can you envision a time in the future where you aren't, living paycheck to paycheck or when you have some savings and when you feel in control let me ask you i actually can or else i if i couldn't i would feel helpless and i actually have a underneath all of this cynicism and this depression and all of this darkness that i feel there is definitely a light where i feel like something there's a positive I, I, I don't and it's not the lottery I don't feel like someday my ship's going to come in I feel like my opportunity to make a life for myself is still there right and, and to cre- make a life creating something not just getting another job or you know becoming a staff photographer or, or a set photographer on a, on a film it's, all those are fine ways to make a living the no qu- but the question is is do you want to be in control of your financial life do you really want to be or do or is it is it possible for you I, I can't say that I know whether it's possible or not, but I, th- I believe I do for sure because when I have money in the bank, I don't get joy out of it. I feel security. And, I, and it, it takes a weight off of me that will consume me at some point. Like when, when I have these months where I don't know how I'm going to pay rent, mm-hmm. everything else is on the back burner because right. all I'm thinking about is, right. oh shit, I'm an adult man. What if I can't pay rent? What if I can't pay rent? What right. if, and I'm frantically selling. But... When I have money in the bank, it definitely is a feeling of, okay, life is good. I need to enjoy this. And I think... Does that, does that freak you out when you feel that way? Do you feel like you don't deserve it? Sometimes, yeah. The security? Yeah. I, I have a big problem with feeling like I don't deserve things. It's not just the money thing. It's, 
it feels like my work ethic is total shit and the only reason I know that I get stuff done is because people tell me I do Mm -hmm. like if I do two or three things through the day that are looking looking at it from from a distance it's it's a lot of work but if I you know and then I have four other hours where nothing happens I feel like the whole day was shot so how are you but it's not true how are you spending like break down a typical week for me right now Typical, well, a typical day for me right now, I've been getting up earlier lately, mm-hmm. and I'm doing it as an exercise in discipline, so that once I get through that most difficult part of the day, which is getting out of bed, when I've never been more tired, mm-hmm. never been more comfortable, never wanted to fall asleep more than the entire 24 hours that's going to follow, there is no point more than when my alarm goes off at 6.30 or 7 in the morning that I, there's nothing I want more than to just stay in that warm bed mm-hmm. I've never been more relaxed and I'm forcing myself to get up make a cup of coffee write some st- stuff down like a mental exercise mm-hmm. three pages and mm-hmm. then try to meditate for 10 to 20 minutes mm-hmm. then I go for a hike and then I'm home by 9 and then I will start doing my like a list of things sometimes I get it done sometimes I don't it can be disrupted by something and it moves on to something else but that's how I start my day and I also have, I don't know if this is part of what you were asking me, but I also have this mental, there's a lot of mental things. <laughs> I have this mental problem, Paul. You might find this shocking. I uh, which, which one are we talking about thing, here? There's also this, I'm stuck in this weird thing, my old patterns from the, the, my last 18 years at the improv where I had this mental pattern. This could be bullshit too, but because it's not as strong as it was four or five months ago where... Wednesday was a day I drove from Los Angeles to Orange County to take care of improv business in OC. Right. So every Wednesday for like the first six or seven months after I quit felt like I was supposed to be going to, my body was like, this is the day I drive to Orange County and the whole day shot. Right. The whole day shot. Monday still feels like this is the day I get the bulk of my work done for the week because Monday morning was improv work sitting in front of my computer all day with breaks with an hour here and you know mm-hmm, and I go mm-hmm. for a hike or something right and it's I still have that pattern and then I also have which I break out of this often that Saturday is a waste of a day like I have that in my head still because it always was a waste of a day because I would do something Saturday night normally hang out at the club or photograph somebody and I'm finally getting to be like oh well, if I do my Saturday morning thing which I a meeting I, I go to in the morning and then and then do a work, work for an hour, and then work for an hour in the afternoon, at least that's two hours of shit I got done. Even if right. that work is right. literally cleaning something, that needs some bullshit that needs to be taken care of. Like, my car's a mess. I need to clean my car, or I need to do this. Even if it's just getting chores out of the way, so you like much more productive. You like the fact that you have tasks that you can accomplish, and that makes you feel good. Like, you put out, Absolutely. A, you put out a podcast weekly, correct? Yeah. So knowing that you get that out, how does that make you feel? It, it makes me feel great. And especially when it's something that I feel reasonably proud of, which is not always the case. But just the fact that I finished it helps me sleep at night. How much money are you making on your podcast? Um, uh, I think um, last time I looked at the numbers, it was uh, in the low teens. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a lot. I think... Uh, well, I, no, I know exactly how much I'm making. On my podcast, mm-hmm. uh, it's Patreon donations. It's a little over 400 bucks a month, and that's oh, after okay. they take their percentage. Right. And then the other podcast, it's around 3000 between three and 4000 a month, but that's split between two other people and then costs. So what are you doing to make money right now? 
I mostly I've been selling. I've been selling stuff. I've whittled down to mo- like the majority of my stuff I sold probably four or five months ago, mm-hmm. and then and I recently okay to make money almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Is that the question? Correct. Almost nothing. Hmm. I've been taking little jobs here and there, 100 bucks to shoot a video for a friend's wife, 200 right. bucks to shoot this children's show. Mike Carano is available for kids' parties. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to edit that It might that not out. be appropriate, but it will be cheap. I guess the, the bottom line, as far as I'm concerned, is I, I'm clearly a chaotic mess when it comes to financial mm-hmm. responsibility, and mm-hmm. I, I'm aware of that, mm-hmm. and I'm not, I don't, I'm not proud of it. I, I don't think it's fun. I don't think the stress of having to make a phone call to the IRS every year, I don't think the stress of being an adult man and not knowing how I'm going to pay my bills is funny or enjoyable, and it's, embar- it's flat out it's, well, embarrassing. It's, I, I, I it's think, embarrassing. I think, I think it's a, more than half the people in the world are dealing with that exact thing. But a lot of the stuff that you have talked to me about brought me a, cl- a, a, a path, a clarity. Like I saw, okay, that I do need to change this, if only for the reason that I don't want this on my back. Mm-hmm. Even if, it's, if I have no desire to save money or no desire to be a person that's responsible, just to eliminate the, the wear and tear on my psyche and my, on my back. And I'm not even talking about the embarrassing part. It's embarrassing that I'm in this financial situation, but frankly, it's what it is. It's the truth. And, and I'm totally fine to, to live up to, to face that. I right. really am. Right. But I would like to change it, and I would like to, I would like to have some sort of security in the future where I get to make things and get to enjoy this because you know what? What it, kind of things would you like to make? Well, I like making this film. I want to make other things. I want to. I want to do more photography. I. I, there, I want to do everything. I want to record more music for the film. Mm-hmm. I, I want to do. I want to make things. I want to work on other people's projects where they're making things. And it's so much more joyful and so much more fun when you have a sense of security. Because in the past, even though I was very, very unhappy being part of the improv mostly due to a lot of my mental problems where I just would project anger at people and right. and you know that's st- stuff I'm I'm working out but when I would drive out to the desert to shoot a stupid video or so, or record a podcast or make something there was always this feeling of well I still have a check coming in right and now it's like oh no I'm supposed to be working on another project and it's making it it's it's fun it's exciting it's much scarier because I, I long for the security, the safety of making some money so that I feel like I can just go make something without having, without having anything. Well, at least knowing that you've got, you've got a certain amount coming in. I've told you this. I don't, I don't know how much of a savior. I don't know how much Did you of say a, you're a savior? Oh, you're my savior. No, I've told you this. I don't know how much of a favor I've done in executive producing this project meaning I wrote a check to help you quit your job and launch into what I believe can be a really bright future-making film and, and photography and art and other kinds of things because I've basically given you the permission to remove your safety net. And while I know you were filled with angst and dread while working at the improv, you still certainly have a little bit of angst and dread. Yeah. Yeah. And and so yeah. without that paycheck at least coming 
you know, and, and what I think, you know, I did learn a lot when I left my job at Facebook that I missed my colleagues. I missed having a job. I missed having an identity. And I see some of that happening with you too in a different way. And I'm just hopeful that you can get to a place where you replace all the energy you put into stressing over the IRS and how to pay your monthly bills and put that toward making cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I hope so too. And I, I get why you said what you just said. And part of that is true. I mean, but where would I be? I'll just start with the mental health part of it. Where would I be right now if this didn't happen? I can't even imagine my anxiety level being still being there with the changes that have gone on in the company is your is well is your anxiety level today lower than it was when you left your job right this moment my anxiety level is at a very manageable good good place when you say this moment you mean this afternoon or i mean mean the last three weeks to a month and up until it's been fluctuating Mm -hmm. there you know i had a couple of great months a a month of that wasn't so great and then it's been all over the map but Mm -hmm. Right this moment, it's pretty good. My bitterness about that I had towards the improv, whether that was self, you know, made up in my own head or warranted, it's probably not warranted. It's someone else's company and I don't like the way they run it. So all of a sudden now I think they're the asshole. Right. It's all of this stuff is in my head, like my anger and, and just all of these things. But most of that stuff is truly gone. Like truly, truly gone. Like I go there and I'm, I I walk into that company now, a place I spent 30 years. And I'm like, I'm glad I don't have to deal with this. Like I'm glad this isn't part of the stress on my shoulders right now, any of this business. and But it's terrifying being forced to be truthful and honest. Like what am I? What do I do? Because at least there I could say I'm a photographer at the improv. Right. Now, what am I? And I don't have to have a title, but but it's like, okay, now prove yourself. Do make something and let's see what it is. Yeah, that's a really that's and, a really interesting question because what do you do really brings out a lot more than just, hey, what's your job? Especially when you don't have an easy answer to that question, you know? I mean, it took me years to to feel confident about saying when people are like, What do you do? I'm like, yeah. I'm a comedian, they'd be like, Sure you are. Yeah. Sure you are. It's like, no, I'm a comedian. You know, like it's and it sounds I'm not I'm not anybody you know yet, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a I'm not a headliner, but yeah, I'm doing it. And if you're doing it, that's what you are. Yes. And the world will recognize at some point in the future, or they won't. But what you do is is what you are, I think. And it's just harder to say when you don't have all the 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 third party proof to say, well, you can watch my my special on Netflix mm-hmm. and you can see my new documentary on Hulu and, and all that kind of stuff. I wonder um, what's, is, is it embarrassing to say I'm an angel investor? I don't know because I don't, I don't say that. But I mean, would you think that's something people would, is, is like I'm an entrepreneur or I'm a, oh, I think I'm a say philanthropist. I, well, I think, I, the, no, I but think, I mean, isn't like, what is the title the, when you real, don't really do anything? No, well, it doesn't, because, it, uh, see, all these things can be interpreted as being, 100% honest or 100% douchey. And when you go onto LinkedIn and you see people who have like these, you know, entrepreneur or whatever yeah, on their yeah. LinkedIn thing, you're like, you're not an entrepreneur. Yeah, you're unemployed. You know, I'm like, an entrepreneur. You know, you've got like, you know, you, you sell, you know, you put a half-assed effort into, you know, selling some, some line of 
bespoke placemats. You're not an entrepreneur, okay? You know, love, those are two words that should never bespoke be in the same placemats. No, placemats are going to make a comeback. Bespoke <laughs> toothbrushes. So, so I think the answer to your question is: is what are you committed to? Because you can say you're an angel investor, but if you're half-assing it. You're not an angel investor. You can write a couple of checks, and writing checks takes five minutes. But are you truly an angel investor in the sense that you are committed to the process of finding yeah. the best companies out there, and you're going to invest in one of 20 that you see because you know that being a good angel investor means taking a look at, you know, you look at 20 deals and you, you, you do one deal. Yeah. That's being an angel investor, not just like, you know, somebody comes up and goes, hey, do you want to... Do you want to? Uh, it seems like in my it's just company? a way to say I have money and I don't really do anything. Well, it's it's you can you it is, and it's also a way to say I write checks and pray to God that I'll make money back because mm-hmm. I, I mean I've I've done some angel investing, but what I learned pretty quickly is if you don't commit yourself to the process, you're going to get smoked. I know you as a stand-up comedian. I've always known you as a stand-up <laughs> comedian, but if most you, of the world does. But if you <laughs> like. If you had stopped doing stand-up after Facebook mm-hmm. and you were just Paul Ollinger, semi-retired guy, what would you tell people you did? Well, that's the thing. That's one of the things you learn when you quit your job is that eventually you have to decide what it is you're going to do with your life. But what do people who are retired say? They just say, I'm retired? Eh, they say, I'm a consultant. I mean, there's look, there's... I, I believe this is one of the many unanticipated things that happens to people when they retire early, that you quit and you go through this thing. Okay, the first few months are like, you're going to play golf, you're going to take some trips, you're going to get a trainer and lose the 20 pounds that you've gained sitting in the back of planes and eating hotel food late night after client events and stuff like that. And so you drop all the stress of work and you kind of reclaim yourself for a little bit. But not long afterwards, you go, okay, what the fuck now? What do I do with myself? You go, oh, well, I'm going to take some golf trips. Okay, you do that. And then before you know it, a year's gone by. And you're Is like, it a soul-searching thing where you feel something well, inside of you? That's- I mean, I think if you're the kind of person that you know works their ass off to make a lot of money or to found a company, and then you quit, you're not going to be happy sitting at home alone very long. And you think, oh, I'm going to take yoga and Spanish classes. And then you remember the reason you stopped taking Spanish was because it's hard. So... You go, okay, well, what am I going to do with my life? And at first, I wrote a blog, and then, you know, like, I remember I went to dinner one night with this dude. It was actually, I went to, it was my wife and I and our kids went to dinner with our kids' friends and their parents from school. I only knew that the parents were doctors. And I asked the guy, and this is a kind of a bit, but it's 100% true. I asked the guy, I knew he was a doctor, so I said, what kind of medicine do you practice? And he said, well, I'm a pediatric oncologist and a neurosurgeon, and I'm, I'm doing research using nanofibers to help slow the spread of cancer in the brains of infants. You're what, like, have you what, tried the fish here? <laughs> and then he turns to me and goes, what do you do? <laughs> Same. And I'm like, uh, I'm a blogger. That's what I do. I'm a blogger, <laughs> and I don't even do it every day. I'm not even committed enough to doing it every day. <laughs> That's what I do. And you know, you just realize... But I'll write a funny anecdote about this dinner right, tomorrow gonna, on my I'm blog. Gonna, but I'm going to tell this story six years from now when I finally get around to committing myself to 
doing stand up and writing again. That's and, great. And so like at a certain point you realize you don't know what you're doing and then you go, okay, well I'm going to dabble in some consulting. And then you go, somebody goes, Oh, we, you know, we'd like you to consult for our company. And they're like, write up a proposal and then, you know, we'll discuss your rate. And then you start get halfway in a proposal. You're like, this is fucking work. If I'm going to work, I might as well have a job mm-hmm. with like real benefits and a big fat paycheck and a mm-hmm. title that means something, not just jackass consultant. And then, you know, you go, okay, well, I'll do some angel investing. You write a few checks and you feel like a big mocker for a second. And then you're like, okay, what now? And they're like, that's all we wanted was your money. Or they're like, hey, we need your help. Come to the office. And you go to their office. You're like, but this is a f-ing job. Yeah. Why don't I just get a job? Yeah. You know, and it's only because you're trying to strike some balance. The reason you don't get a job is because to have a big, sexy job these days means 80 hours a week and hundreds of thousands of air miles flown every year. And that's why people don't do it. And that's why when you make a certain amount of money, you're like, I don't think I'm going to spend this time away from my kids anymore. I don't like that doesn't feel right to me. Do you have any regrets leaving Facebook? Hey, who's Facebook? interviewing who here? Do you have any regrets leaving like Facebook you just, when like you, you left? just spun me around and now you're... Well, I have some questions now because I, I think you do. And I don't know if you like in your head, if you're thinking maybe I would like to have stayed another year. Maybe another two years, but I mean, is there something in your head that makes you think? I think the the question was, do I have regrets about leaving Facebook? Mm -hmm. The regrets I have are about the way I left, not that I left. I think I left. Spray painted, fuck you guys on the wall and knocked over Zuckerberg's desk. No, I, I just, I just didn't leave with a plan and I didn't leave as gracefully as I would have liked. And, you know, I think, I think I, 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 I regret not having a better sense of purpose as to why I was there and why I, w- I should have stuck around a little while longer. And I and the thing I I tell people is there any I, part of you that thinks if I would have stuck around longer I could have pocketed another another five million bucks or something? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. But you know, my mom was sick when I quit. My my wife was on bed rest with our second child and her fourth month of pregnancy. There was a lot of other things going on and. I made the best decision I could at the time with the information that I had, and I didn't know the stock was going to go to a, a gazillion dollars. And there's no amount of money where you wouldn't say, "I wish I had more," because there's mm-hmm. and that's just that's just the nature of human beings, and it's a disgusting trait that we have. Not only that, I wish I had more, but I'm not as happy when I'm around people who have more. It's just a horrible trait that we have, and so I try not. I try to be aware of that and not think about what if. If I have a regret, it's that I, I, I should have started putting a stake in the ground as to what I wanted to do with my life earlier. I kind of dicked around for a few years before I said, hey, I really, you know, my dream really is to be a stand-up comedian. That's really what I want to do. I want to write books and do comedy. And it took, you know, it took one. I had a, I had a false start six years ago where I went out and did a few shows and then I bombed so bad one night. I was like, what am I doing? I'm going to go get a job again. And then I worked for a year <laughs> for a company that was fine, but just wasn't, I didn't, it was an ad software company. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And I did that for a year and then I was like, what am I doing? And then I quit that job. And four years ago I said, I'm going to do exactly what I'm most afraid of. And that's to get back into stand up comedy and try to make a go at it. And I'm going to try to write books and I'm going to, you know, and it takes a while until you find something that you care about. And I, I do believe that, I have something to say in this world about money because I don't think people speak honestly enough about money. I think people don't know what they want from it except for the fact that they want more. 
without yeah. the knowledge yeah. that more will never make them happy. And that's what you taught me back in April because I really, really, what hit home with me that stuck in my mind from that date till now mm-hmm. is April what, 12th, as I recall. Yes, it is, is in your synopsis as well. And it's the relationship with money a correlation with your relationship with other things because it is it's if you're taking responsibility in this one area of your life mm-hmm. you're going to take responsibility in another area and along those lines there's more to it than I can remember right now I'm sorry but there's definitely a, something to be said here and and on this podcast and it's much much more entertaining and valuable to me than somebody just talking about how to make money because that's that to me is is a complete P.T. Barnum bullshit. Show. Well, there, there's already plenty of people doing that. But I mean, there's, it's how to bullshit. make it. How to make it doesn't doesn't help you know what to do if you don't believe you deserve it. But no, nobody's going. I was listen, I had no idea how to how to earn a living. I listened to a podcast, and now I'm wealthy. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? No one's. It's not real. It's not real. No I, one's well, going. I listened to the Motley Fool, and he led me down a path well, where I'm d- a billionaire. It's like shut up. I do think there's some interesting conversations that podcasts enable, and you know, there's a lot of talk about millennials and and this fire movement, financial independence, retire early thing. I'm saying and, there's there is no quick fix that's going to that's going to help you get rich, but there is an interesting conversation in. This is part of it you don't really want to face. The responsibility, the handling things, the, right. the, the being smart about it. It's, it's hard to face yeah. that because it's not fun. It's much more fun to go, I want that Range Rover or I want that. <laughs> no, but it is. It's much more fun to look at the internet and go, I want that. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, sheepskin leather couch. I want that. Oh, yeah, that's going to be great. Sheepskin leather I don't know. Couch. I don't You know, just looking at like stupid shit on the internet. <laughs> you know, uh, I want a Lamborghini too. I want, a, I right, want my Range right. Rover to be this and I want to go here and I want to go, I want to stay in that place in Fiji above the water that has oh, yeah. a water slide off the roof into the, into the crystal clear water yeah. where the sharks have rubber teeth and nothing <laughs> happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's that all sounds great, but you don't realize the your level of appreciation for anything and everything changes dramatically when you work hard for it and the satisfaction that you feel and the ability to, for me at least, to sleep at night. If I do something that I'm proud of, just like when you asked me earlier, when I finish the podcast, mm-hmm. by and large, most times... I upload it, and it's not some great work of art, but I did it. I uploaded another podcast, okay. and it makes me feel like that day was worth it, and I did something constructive, and I did something positive. And when I when I take a job from somebody, even if it's only a couple hundred bucks, and mm-hmm. I go out, and I take mm-hmm. these photos, and I get those that 200 bucks, 250 mm-hmm. bucks, I feel like that was a day well spent. And it's not just because I have 250 bucks. It's because I did something constructive, and I moved it forward. And I, I got compensation as well. And there's a level of content and calm that I get. And then if I have three or four days and nothing happens, it's the anxiety level just escalates. So I think it's great that you've got the podcast to, to get done. How do we get you to a place where you can see long-term goals in short-term steps that will help you feel like you have a sense of accomplishment. I don't know, but that's all the time we have. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I it's, it's not it's not how if, I thought it was going to be, which is just this dramatic change where all of a sudden I'm this person. Right. It is all of this shit has been little steps, including mm-hmm. the getting more exercise, not eating total shit 24/7. Fit. No, but I'm I'm saying it's every time I make a commitment to, okay, from here on out I don't waste any money. 
of course I still waste money. Right. Not like I did before. I'm not yeah. sitting on the B&H website every single day going, uh, in fact, I'm kind of sickened by the fact that I don't lust after those things because it was sort of brought to my attention by you and Dr. Drew and other people that this is a distraction and you're, waste, you're trying to cover up something else by always thinking something new is the answer. And so now when I look at something new, there's a moment where I'm like, I would like that camera. And then there's a mm-hmm. moment where I go, why do I need another camera sitting on the floor and right. that I'm not going to use when I already have the cameras I'm comfortable with that I use for everything? I don't know. If you've got five cameras sitting on the floor, you should probably try to get a sixth camera. Well, I did that until I got to 15, <laughs> and then I went, 16 is pushing it, and then I went, okay, 18, 18. So what do you, so what do you, like, so where do you go from here? Like, how do you, how do you continue improving your relationship with money and, and being a healthier person? I have not been stuck in this predicament that my friends have been stuck in, which is they have no choice. Mm-hmm. You gave me money. I have some friends that will hire me. First of all, I didn't give you any money. No, I understand that. But I, I mean, invested in a project that we're doing I've together. I've been very lucky. I also have bought so much stupid shit mm-hmm. in the past 20 years that I've been able to... Like right now, a guy is buying my Marshall amplifier that I bought like in the 90s for like $3,000 and Sweet. I've never, ever, ever used and so it's a brand new vintage Marshall and this guy really wants it and he's buying it so that's going to be that's going to pay my rent this month and some other little things and then I sold that watch a couple months ago good good. I've only gone back to the Omega website maybe 43 (laughs) times looking at it again (laughs) thinking I made a mistake where do you want to be a year from now tell me tell me what a good place to be a year from now a year from now I, I want to I would like to see a pathway to how I'm going to earn a living a year from now, and I'd like to be on that pathway. I'd like to finish this project we have right now, right. move through that, and then move on to something else. And even if it's not a big money pathway, just a, a way for me to wake up and be excited about the day. Because I have no delusions that I'm going to be this super rich guy someday. And and. And I don't even. I think that might make me really unhappy, to be honest with you. I think to be a I would super be, rich guy. I just think I would be. Un, it's, it won't solve your problems. I'm too stressed out about like even expensive shit that I have. Right. Like I'm like, do I? It's like those Franklin Mint plates. You, you know what I did sell how to much, pay. How, you, you know what I did sell to pay my taxes like that? five years ago, what? and you would have been like, "Why the fuck do you have this?" I had every single. Franklin Mint coin, and I mean like 500 of them, and most of them were silver, which is why I got enough money to pay my taxes. But I don't even remember. Oh, I know what they were. One was every state. There was Arizona, California. You know, every state had a coin that were like that big, and they were made out of sterling. And I think I got like 75 or 100 bucks each for those, and I probably had 200 of them. You probably paid 150 each for them. I'm gonna dig out the photos because I photographed all that stuff extensively. That's fantastic. So a year from now, you want to be in a place where you have some predictable. I want to income. have some clarity on what I'm doing. I want to get. I want to finish this project so I know I can do it, and I want to like use that I finished something as like a springboard into into something else because I still have a sickening amount of self doubt. Right, and it's with everything. It's with everything. Mm-hmm. It's not just that this project. It's every part of my life. It's like, why does this girl want to hang out with me? Why is this happening? And you know, it's what's wrong with her that she wants. Yeah, to exactly. Hang out with I absolutely, absolutely think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to tell people I have no respect for you because you like me. <laughs> There's a way to tell them. Yeah, where well, they want to get it till they go home. They'll be thinking about it. I'm not going to use a Woody Allen. That was an insult. I'm not going to use the Woody Allen reference here. 
It's actually a Groucho Marx reference. Okay. And Woody Allen quotes. All right, how do we end this? We can so, end it by saying... Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I honestly am looking forward to this podcast. I think it's going to be something I'm going to want to listen to. I think... I just love the idea that you're doing a money podcast and it's not about how to make money. It's about stuff people really want to hear about. I like hearing people's stories. We all want to make money. We all want to be successful. We all want to be safe. Yes. We all want to have health. Yes. Insur- not insurance, but we want if something dramatic happens to be able to go, that's not a concern. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I break my foot. Now, what does that mean? I sell the Subaru. You, I mean, but you, you say it with such confidence when you're speaking in the third person. Or yeah. I guess that's actually the first person plural. But when you use the first person singular, I, yeah, you, d- yeah, it's weird. It's, it's you can't yeah. say that you want that. No, and, it's and weird. Deserve it. It's weird. We all want. We all want security. Yeah. We all want health. We all yeah. want. But but you said that in the third in in the plural. It's like easier for you to admit that that's a common human element. Yeah, common human desire. But say that in the first person, Mike. I deserve. I can't do that. Come right on. I can't. Come on. It feels phony. What do you deserve? What do you deserve? I don't know what I deserve, but I want security. I want money. Okay. Okay, I'll tell you something. What do uh, you there want? was a book that you made me read. I did. You recommended that I read it. I know I made you read it. <laughs> I have to steer everything to poor little me. That's fine. There's a what book is the you name made me the, what read. What is the name of the book? You made me go to the bank to cash that check you sent me. <laughs> I will never, ever forgive you. Uh, there was a book... You, you are, made me read you called are You Are a, a Badass at Making Money by a, the author was Jen Sincero. And I'm skeptical of this stuff and I'm a pessimist and I'm I'm you know, cynical and I'm like, eh, like another person trying to push, pitch their shit. The one thing, I'm not saying it's not a good book. I'm just saying whenever somebody has a book to help you out with something, I'm always weary. Where, I'm, wary. I'm weary also because I'm tired, exhausted oh, right now. That was the, um, I'm such a dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I never passed right, on you, Dana to, Gould. Okay. Correction to him either about gadfly. <laughs> I just kept that. Dana Gould called Mike Carano a gadfly, and he used the word wrong. He's a very smart man. Anyway, okay. So the, uh, Jen Sincero. in the book, she stresses many, many times. You need to accept that I love money. You need to write it down. You need to say it to yourself. I love money because, and I thought this is a stupid exercise, and mm-hmm. I thought it was bullshit. And then I started doing it, and I realized how difficult it was for me to write down I love money. Right. Almost impossible. And I'd write down I love money because, and I'd start with the simple things, because it gives me security, because it gives me this. And then I started thinking about it, and it's not an evil thing to want money. Oh, but that's the thing. So many people think it's, it's yeah. to write that down is is so taboo today but here's the other thing is and and i don't know how to say this without sounding like a psycho but there is something to saying it that brings it to you a little bit because when i would write that down every day i like money because of this i like money because it gives me security i like money because i get to buy nice things i like money because i get to go places i get to go to go to restaurants i like money because it makes me feel safe i like money for this yeah I found myself getting more side jobs, and I'm not kidding you. And there was no doubt in my mind that my attitude was different, that my I presented myself as different for a couple of months because of that attitude and accepting. Because I would never have said that if somebody said, "What do you think of money?" I'd be like, "Fucking assholes." Right. That's that's the. I think she does such a great job in that book of talking about money, frankly and irreverently. And part of the inspiration for doing this podcast was I think she's creating an awful lot of good in the world for people who believe 
they are not supposed to want to be successful. Yes, and I also think it's a misinterpretation of I want to be successful. And in my brain, what I hear is I want to be a greedy, selfish asshole right, well, that's, hoarder. But that's, again, that's the whole point of talking about money in a frank way to say that it's, it's not all good and it's certainly not all evil. The world would be better off if people were committed to their own success. And I don't mean like that everybody's equal. I don't mean that everybody needs to be a billionaire. I just mean people, if they believed that they could be successful, they would be successful that peace of mind that you get from being successful and being able to take care of yourself is hugely rewarding. The The richest I ever felt isn't when I moved in a big house or bought a super nice car. It was the day I paid off my student loans. Okay. Best day, best financial day you of my life. You summed up what I want this podcast to be right there, which is the the feeling of satisfaction you get when you take care of business compared to just that's what I'm getting from you and that's what I've mm-hmm. gotten from the vibe of this is and and from all of our discussions from April till now it is truly it's not about oh I have money in the bank oh my bills are paid it's not about that it's about feeling some a sense of satisfaction and a sense of pride which parlays into other things that that get better along the way your relationships but, but think, your yeah, well that yeah i mean look money is the number one thing people fight about in a relationship but i think those two things are related when you say when you do have money in the bank and you, when you're not stressed about your rent you have the opportunity to be a a better partner a better friend and yeah. a more productive individual Absolutely. most and marriages break up better. because of financial reasons and and the sweet neighbor <laughs> All right. Okay, I think thank you for there. having me on the show. Hey, Mike. Uh, I don't know what this will be, but it might just be practice, I but I think we got something There's in here. There's good stuff in here. All right. Okay. Thanks, bro. So that's the conversation with Mike Carano. God, I love that guy. He is hilarious. We started this thing because of him. He was the encouragement. Mike and I have been friends for a long time, and sometimes when I was driving like on a road trip or something by myself, I would just call him out of the blue, and we'd talk for like two hours about God knows what. I suspect... He does that for a lot of people, which that's just like, you know, like a bespoke podcast, one-on-one conversation. Anyway, check out Mike's podcast, Miscellaneous Adventures from the World of Mike Carano on wherever you find your podcasts. He's also one of the gang on the After Disaster podcast, which has its roots in the world of Loveline and Dr. Drew, to whom he made reference. My name is Paul Ollinger. You can find out more about me on my website, paulollinger.com. That's Paul. O-L-L-I-N-G-E-R.com. If you have listened this far, then you must not hate it. You must not hate this podcast. Admit it to yourself. Either you hate it, but then you have so much self-loathing inside of you that you force yourself to do stupid stuff like this that you're not into, or you actually like this. I'm going to say you like this podcast, and so I'm going to ask you one more time. Hey, share it with a friend. Just do that. It's my 50th birthday. That's all I want. I don't want an Atlanta Falcons gym bag. I don't want new underwear. I don't want new socks. I want you to share what I'm doing with a friend. That would mean the world to me. Have a great day. Bye.